Good morning, everybody. Eddie Webb. We are here at the New Media Lab at Mesa Community College. And today we're very, very excited to have our good friend, our colleague, Laura Ballard here. Laura is the director of the e-learning. Well, I got that backwards. She's the e-learning director in the e-learning department here. She's located in the CTL at Mesa Community College. Good morning, Dr. Ballard. Did you uh, just give me an honorary doctorate? That's right. <laughs> Kaboom. I got magic over here. So we, no like to, we like to have our guests introduce themselves. How you doing? Who are you? I'm I'm doing well today. Um, I'm I'm good. Uh, Laura Ballard, as you said, e-learning director at Mesa Community College. Um, you want personal stuff or professional stuff? Whatever or you feel comfortable. Oh, okay. I am, my my husband works here and has worked here actually longer than I have. Um, Antonio Ballard, an advisor in the athletics department. And he's been here since 2005. Actually, we both started in 2005, and then I briefly left and went over to Gateway for a little bit and then came back in 2012 when we were um, going out for online accreditation. So that's when I came back. And we have two little girls, and uh, one of them just started high school. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that happens fast. I yeah. thought Antonio was our reading faculty. So he was a reading faculty member for, I believe, two years. It was a OIO. Oh. It was he did an OIO and an OSO at one point, oh, and okay. yeah, yeah. So he did he did do that for a little while, and then obviously now, declining enrollment, they don't have such a big need for adjuncts or more faculty. That's scary over there. Yeah, yeah. English, reading, math are our foundation. Yeah, and. You know, uh, although I'm sure as we talk today, we'll learn more about how you have ramped up distance learning. I, 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 I'm an old guy, and I call it distance learning, but I guess it's called e-learning. They nowadays, call right? it distance learning oh, okay. nationally, too. Actually, the Department of Ed calls it distance education. Yeah. So you are correct. All right. All right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, people come to the 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 college for all kinds of different reasons, you know, like uh, becoming a teacher and wanting to serve the country or just having a mad passion about learning and whatever that is. Uh, we thank all the teachers across the country and firemen and police officers, you know, what, what makes the people go into professional where they know their, you know, their compensation it's not, you know, great, uh, but the love of learning and teaching is really the, the reward. When did you know that this e-learning, distance learning uh, <laughs> thing was for you? Gosh, that, that's a funny question. Um, I think it found me a little bit, if that's fair enough to say. I mean, I think, um, so... I come from a long line of educators. Uh, both my parents are uh, professional teachers, and they um, retired many, many years ago. But uh, And then my mom taught teachers um, for a university for a while after she had retired. And so that was kind of obviously always in my house. My aunt and uncle were both teachers. So pretty much surround the adults in my life that were close to me were, were teachers. 
And I think my parents wanted something a little different for me. That was financial. I mean, you brought that up just a second ago. So it was kind of like, oh, don't go into teaching. Um, You know, do something that's going to make you more money. But then, and I think, like I said, college kind of determined that um, my interests were kind of peaked um, to be a teacher when I was at um, my undergrad. But as far as uh, distance learning, e-learning, online, that didn't happen until a little bit further down the line when I was um, going to get my master's degree in the state of Washington, where I'm from. You are required to, I was, I was a classroom teacher at the time, um, high school English teacher. Um, you're required to go back and get your master's within three years of your, or not your master's, you're, um, you're required to get, you know, more credits beyond your, your bachelor's degree. So my dad is a huge mentor in my life. And he's like, you know, there's no reason to just go back and get some college credits. You should go back and get just get your master's nothing's holding you down nothing's keeping you here in Washington just you know go find you know go to a school that you want to go to and get your master's degree I was like okay so at that time um, when I was a classroom teacher I was you know just fresh pretty much fresh out of college and was using all the technology so all the veteran teachers were like oh she's so good at technology right <laughs> I don't know that I was or wasn't but that was definitely what my my dad kind of latched on to, yeah, everybody thinks you're so good at technology. You should look at a program that, that integrates that. And that's, you know, that's where the future is, Laura. That's what you should do. You'll never have a hard time finding a job, you know, because he's in the profession. He knows it's like science teachers and technology teachers. You know, that's what we need. Okay. So, yeah, I got a D minus in my first biology class in college. So it was not going to be science teaching. <laughs> So um, at that time, then I applied for grad school at U of A, ASU, and UCLA. Wanted to get the heck out of the rain. And the program that I was most interested in was called uh, Educational Media and Computers, and it was at at ASU. Um, It had since changed. uh, Once I was enrolled, it changed to um, Learning and Instructional Technology, and then when I graduated, it changed again to educational technology. Um, but I kept the learning and instructional technology title for that because I like it talked about learning theory and how it applies to um, or how technology applies to learning theory. So that was kind of where it started was, you know, going through that program. And you may not know this, but uh, Dr. Harper Marinick was one of my first professors in that program at ASU. So there was the Maricopa Connection. She, um, you know, helped me understand the community colleges, and um, I did my first internship in the CTL over here in 2000 um, before I graduated, and um, and that kind of set me up to then apply for a job at the district office in 2002 when I had graduated. So it kind of evolved and found me. I was really interested in being an instructional designer, um, but at the time, instructional designing and technology were kind of a similar thing connected with online learning. And so the need was really about being a, an LMS administrator, right? Learning management system administrator. And at that time, it was Blackboard in the district. And so there was a lot of need there for support and help, with, you know, developing classes and supporting faculty. So it kind of just evolved into that. That's a great journey. Great, great, great story. I think we were, we were, we had, uh, 
Patricia in here the other day, right? What a great, great human being and asset to our She's college. She's incredible. I, She's I, from Levine, too. Yeah. I'm from, or not from, we, yeah. I live in Levine. Stephanie lives in Levine. Oh, really? Patricia lives yeah. in Levine, yeah. I can't wait to work with her. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's great. She's got excellent skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, story of destiny, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think so many educators have that same thing. And I, I agree. Like when I was, when I came back to school, I wanted to go to law school. So when I went back to the community college, I got a uh, criminal justice degree, mm -hmm. and then I went for my bachelor's. I got a paralegal certificate, and then I wrote, had written a story, and then they asked me to share, and I taught this seminar, and it got in my blood, and the ego kicked in, like, ooh, I'm what? I'm center of attention. I kind of might like this, <laughs> you know. And then. 25 years go by and you look up and go, oh, I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> I stayed. <you> know? <laughs> but um, yeah, well, that I'm just really glad to, uh, to hear the listeners to hear your, your story. And you've really brought along the, the program since I've been here. I guess we started around, I think I've been here 21 or 22 years. Uh, and I've watched you grow into this. And I know that we have had great, debates yes over pedagogy and learning systems and and uh i think everybody gives a little and everybody takes a little that's what's yes. that's the part too about being an educator that i like i like being around super smart people who are doing great things and the ability to come together and to really have passionate argument and disagreement and then find you know, yes. the best, like, that's how the best stuff rises to the top. That's true. You can be around people like that to me. That, that is the one thing I like about the university is that environment of researchers. Right. Hashing it out, you know, mm -hmm. and in a good way, in a positive way. And that's what we like to teach here in the New Media Lab is, uh, you know, I have my students, I require them to refer to themselves as emerging scholars. Oh, right. You know, because that's what we are. We're on this learning path, you know? Right. And to watch you take an online, and I'm looking at the Laura's online website here at Mesa Community College, and that's the name of it, MCC Online. Yes. Earn a quality education online and you have live online online and hybrid which are three modalities that there is absolutely nothing good about covid people not one one good thing about covid but it forced people into start to accept technology into their curriculum in in all areas you know you all have done an amazing uh, job here with the uh, showing people these different platforms and we early on start we were helping a lot of people yeah because you know we had we had faculty you know who yes just didn't know their way around a computer right but have all this beautiful experience and knowledge and we have to find that balance between you know the knowledge the teacher and the technology because the technology is just a tool right right it's the content that's delivered by that tool. That's 
what we have to that's make. where it's at yeah that's yeah. what we have to make don't sure. get don't lose that you don't lose <laughs> that you know but um one 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 thing you mentioned was blackboard and, w- and this is why i brought up uh patricia because mm-hmm. when i was at nau we we used blackboard mm-hmm. and it just my brain could i i could not see blackboard were you as a student or as a yeah. faculty member okay student yeah i just couldn't see it yeah. And as a video editor, when I went to film school, there's a program called Avid that is what, 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 I mean, would you say that's the, one of the more standard, Keegan? Yeah, it's very common in LA. So like the big studios use Avid, right? Right. So our film schools teach Avid editing, right? And this is right before Adobe Premiere came online. So I'd look at Blackboard and just be just give me a headache, you know. And I would open up Avid, and then I just I felt like somebody scrambled my brains. <laughs> and then one day, someone over there at film school opened up Adobe Premiere, the yeah. editing uh, software, and it's like my brain just started firing up. Man, figured it out. I just looked at it. I immediately. I mean, I didn't know, you know, but it made perfect sense. So, to yeah. Me. So when you guys fired up Canvas, when I opened up Canvas, I was like, oh, wow, I know how this works. Right. Although I wasn't certain, <laughs> didn't know how your training works so much. I know. As Canvas itself worked, I love Canvas. Tell us about Canvas. Oh, my goodness. So we, it's funny that, that you went back to Blackboard giving you a headache because Blackboard gave me a lot of headaches as well. So we were really excited um, in 2011 when we did the RF, the district RFP to get a new learning management system. You know, we just didn't even know if there was anything out there. But when we, you know, we all had these binders from all the different companies that submitted, you know, their products. And so when I looked at that Canvas binder, I thought, oh, this is promising. This tool sounds really promising. It solved a few problems that we had with Blackboard. Um, The versioning, first of all, the fact that Canvas was in the cloud. I mean, this is taking us so far back, not so far back, but in technology years so far back, so that we didn't have to worry about updating to different versions because every time we updated to a version, it was retraining faculty where Canvas just automatically adds, you know, kind of like Google, where it just adds the new features, kind of introduces it to you and then allows you to, you know, eventually accept it. And then at, there's at some point, you know, you, ha- you have to switch your gradebook to the new feature or whatever it is. So that was one of the biggest exciting points about it was that it, w- it just kind of would add the updates, you know, um, rather intuitively. So, um, and not creating such a training issue and not having to sit there and live with all the bugs and issues that Blackboard made us, you know, sit and live with like, oh, sorry, you can't do that in discussion boards or oh, sorry, you can't do that in gradebook, um, you know, because that that piece is broken. <laughs> so um, that's been the, the good thing about Canvas. Um, and it's also just it was built um, by students. You know, oh, really? yeah, yeah, tell yeah. Me, tell us more about that. So I don't know the the specific story, but I I believe they were grad students in one of the Utah universities, and it was one of their projects, which is interesting because so is Cranium Cafe that was also built by a grad student um, as a grad school project. So I do feel like those 
projects sometimes. <laughs> I see your eyebrows raising. You're thinking, huh, my new media lab students building something. They, amazing. they did build this. Or, see? Yeah, I can there, show you the video. There you go, <laughs> right? I mean, there's something about that, right? It's the people experiencing it that want to create the experience for the next group. So I think that's kind of what we got with Canvas was, you know, and obviously now they're a major corporation that's bought up many corporations. And, um, but I think it's still an environment that delivers learning probably at the, the best level out there, you know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, it was really not even getting into the structure, but looking at the, you know, the mm -hmm. interface of it. As soon as I looked at it, I'm like, oh, yeah. this is great. This makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. feel real comfortable and at ease. Yeah. It took me a while because of the way I teach, the way mm -hmm. I had learned, learned to teach with a heavy hand, red pen right. type, type thing to where I moved into rubric grading. Yes. And then I learned, and then I moved into community sort of accountability. And I went through these different phases of right. how to uh, evaluate somebody's work. Because I always thought, eh, you know. Really? Who am I to kind of do that? Like, right. you know, like because I started off teaching in creative writing, too. It's like, wow, it's, who am I to say it's a good story or bad? Right. You know? But uh, so I started learning how to do that. And that was a hard thing in a, in a software package. Right. You know, because in grade book, you have a grade book and an eraser. You know, you mm -hmm. know I, I'm old enough to used to write down everything in a grade book. <laughs> You know, and the student wants to yeah. know where they're at. You show it to them and you right. kind of talk. And, you know, I'm all for If a student can make an argument to persuade me to change their grade, that's the lesson I'm trying to teach them. Absolutely. Rhetoric, right? Absolutely. Fine by me. Did you make a good argument? Yeah. A plus then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it took me a while to learn the pathways between the modules, the assignment, oh, the right. grade book, the, you know, how all of those link up and then how to score them and you're right. you're actually your staff helped me with that. We yes. we made we made some mistakes. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, you know, that's how you that's that's another part of my new grading thing is I tell the students, you know, hey man, you know, you don't need to go on social media and rake teachers over the coals. We we make mistakes <laughs> too, you know. I mean I'll be for humans, you're not gonna robots. Make a mistake, I'm gonna make a mistake, you know. Right. So, but on the, you know, on the online thing, I had to learn how those pathways work. Yes. And you know what? Canvas learned too. Yes. Because you could see how that was one of the issues. I wasn't the only one having that. And they corrected that inside of their software. Right. And they have yeah. that, that system all built up where in, where you, the Canvas community, where you're able to put in your issue and then thumb, thumbs up, you know, the issues that, you know, you're having on campus. And so that's definitely uh, another benefit because with, with Blackboard, it was like, it just didn't matter. And I'm sure that they've adjusted now just with the new technology. But um, again, it's if you have enough issue with a certain thing and you're giving your community the ability to tell you, here's how we want you to fix it, you know, they'll listen, especially if it's widespread. I know one question, uh, just in speaking with colleagues, one of the things was protecting intellectual property on Canvas. Mm -hmm. Does Canvas, the company, have the ability to look, 
look at people's lessons inside of Canvas without us knowing about that? No. So the security is within the teacher's uh, page or whatever. Well, to yeah, to be they'd have to be on our systems because even though it's cloud hosted, the ooh, yeah, the um all the password protections and all of that. Yeah. They, I mean, they'd have to have administrative rights within our own system to do that. That's a really interesting question. Well, is this the, a fear for people? Yeah. Well, the reason is, is inside <laughs> of Spark Adobe, we have to turn off buttons. Otherwise they can look at everything that we publish and do. Interesting. And so we have LMS administrators that have access to everything. I mean, yeah. we have an IT department that has access to everything you do on your computer. This, right. this is interesting. I just didn't yeah. know that there were concerns about that. I don't think they're overly, you know, but just, mm. you know, like when you, when you put your work that has intellectual property right. in the cloud, you know, how do you have control over that? Right. And I mean, obviously we're password protected. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that the school has access to anything, anytime, you know, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, but I didn't know because I'd been watching Canvas as they started offering more, like if you go to the Canvas websites outside right. of school, they are actually sites where I've seen they're starting to provide curriculum. Yeah, they have they, a lot of training. They have yeah. their whole open content where you can take complete courses in Canvas. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they definitely have a lot of training. Um, opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. How do students respond to Canvas? Do you have any messaging? You know, students like Canvas. We, when we first adopted it, um, we did comparisons uh, to satisfaction surveys, you know, about, about the tools, about the LMSs. We also um, measured support calls. And the most striking thing was that the support calls that we were getting when, um, you know, I say Blackboard, but obviously Mesa had WebCT, the WebCT version of Blackboard. Um, but the support calls went down. And I, this is not 100% accurate, I don't believe, but they went down. And I think it was by like 20%. The support calls went down. So I know they went down. That number may not be the perfect number but um so i thought that was really interesting because clearly students weren't struggling as much with navigating the system as they were with navigating like webct or blackboard so i think that speaks volumes um i think what we see in in the e-learning department because we give um satisfaction surveys out to students about their experience with with e-learning and online learning is they are greatly impacted by the faculty's use or misuse or misunderstanding of Canvas. So mm. if a faculty member has a good grasp on Canvas and, and like you were talking about the pathways and they're, you know, able to find things, then, you know, they, they're satisfied. Um, but we get a lot of, you know, comments about, I don't think that they know how to use it. And, and of course, this is pre-COVID. So I'm thinking, I wonder what the surveys after COVID will say, you know, because obviously there are people that never taught online before using it. So there's going to be that group. But then I also think some of our faculty got really good at it yeah. because that's where they lived for 18 months. So, so, so good at it. They want to stay home stay. and teach. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on your website, you have something and you're wearing a t-shirt. I got my t-shirt on. Z courses. Tell yeah. us about Z courses. What's a Z course? So Z courses are a part of the Z degree program, which we will have our first entire GPS pathway done. We already have an, a complete AA done in a Z degree format, um, but it is a complete degree path that has zero textbook cost. So it um, doesn't mean it doesn't use quote unquote textbooks, but because these are um, the foundation is really in online classes, um, they're typically online open textbooks that students have access to. So Z courses, um, ha they have no cost associated with them other than tuition. And sometimes if we can't remove the course fees, which I haven't been successful with, then they do have a course fee attached to them. Like biology, um, 100 does have like a small like lab fee that um, Nicola Plows and I were trying to see if we could get rid of because it didn't really apply to the online courses as much as it does to the in-person courses. But yeah, as, as you can see on the website that they, you know, obviously that's, that's a pretty significant savings of between $2,000, $3,000 on just books alone. Um, because unfortunately, textbooks um, can cost, you know, anywhere between $150 to $250. Some of ours are in the 300s, which is more than the actual tuition for the course. So, so if they're taking like an anatomy course, you provide them with a, like a PDF or? So the anatomy courses, we do not have as, I think anatomy is at 182. I don't remember which, um, what the actual course is for that, but we don't have a Z degree course for that. But we do have, you know, we do have some science courses that are um, Z courses. We have Bio 100, GPH 113. That's your... Um, geography. We have uh, ASM 104, and that's an anthropology science. And ASM 275, that's another anthropology one. Um, Dr. Alvarez is her whole entire department. The, what is it? Social, social cultural? Cultural science department. Um, we have many of them that are Z courses. And they've been teaching many of those courses just uh, as as textbook free courses using OER, Open Educational Resources, for a long time. So we just kind of swooped in and said, hey, we're trying to make these actual complete pathways so students know I'm signing up for, you know, the anthropology Z degree and I'm not going to have to pay for textbooks. Like it's kind of your truth in advertising, right? You're only paying your tuition and then, you know, whatever um, the course fees are and so we connected and collaborated with their area quite a bit to then put them through the process of fine-tuning the courses so that they are consistent in experience, but it does allow for a lot of wiggle room for customization. So the, the point of the Z degree is to give students kind of that consistent experience. They know what to expect so that, and you brought this up earlier, so that the technology isn't getting in the way. They can get directly to the content. And so for Z degree, that's the biggest thing is removing the barrier of the textbook or the publisher material, like that extra login that, you know, going to find your course code to get into that class, even though you already have a login to Canvas, now you have to go in and find another code to get into the class. And what happens is students just try not to buy the textbook. 
and then they find out when it's too late that they actually needed to buy the textbook because maybe it provided a course code and they can't take the final without it. Mm. And so now they've withdrawn from the class. So we're trying to remove that barrier so they can get directly to the content and the instructor, not, not having to go through the publisher. Yeah, so. I, I think that's really important to, not, to be clear to students who are taking these courses that it's not that you're not going to be reading. It's, that, it's about access to yes. the content. Yeah. And that, Does you that know come what that's up? like, oh, wow, a class with no textbook. I love it. You know, like, I haven't I haven't heard that. But okay. now that you say that, I'm like, I, we probably we're going to be updating these pages um, because, like I said, we'll have our first pathway, which is the communication department. So we'll have the AA with the emphasis in calm um, done by the end of um, this semester, fall 2021. Um, and so I, so when we update the pages, I think it would be important for us to state that because some of them do use a textbook. It's just online. So, right. and the great thing about a lot of those online textbooks is we can integrate them directly into canvas. So they're going through module one and they really never leave the interface of canvas. And we know how important that is because I don't know about you, but I have like 50 tabs open on my computer at any given time. And I'm so distracted. I'm like, oh, I got to go pay this bill. Ooh, I got to go, you know, this person's IMing me. I got to go talk to them. So we want to keep the students in the Canvas platform, reading, interacting, and not getting too distracted by sending them elsewhere. And that, again, is another success piece that we, that's kind of a hallmark for Z degree is, is just trying to integrate everything. But, but I love this, um, I got to remember, take a little mental note to um, let students know there is reading, there is media that you're going to have to go through and all of that good stuff. It's just you don't have to pay extra for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then the next part that you've really developed are the online degrees and certificates. And so for our listeners, you know, these are the debates I've had with uh Laura, over the years, uh, out of my own sort of ignorance and, you know, uh, insecurities, I guess. <laughs> it's like, you know, in our system, we have Rio that is pretty much 100% online, no students, and we're a face-to-face -face college where we get people. And the more we start offering our degrees all online, what does that mean for the college in terms of students coming here, you know, to study? How is it going to change the culture? I mean, at some point, there's got to be a tipping point between these two delivery systems. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, you know, is there enough for everybody to go around? Because I think all universities and all colleges need distance learning. Because there's so many scenarios. In the past, it was more around a rural situation. Right. Right. Like people. Distance. You distance that's learning. The, that's the yeah, word. <laughs> right. Now it's, now it's more about access and time management and all of these sorts of things. So, the, so I was just asking you, the more we offer online, does that mean the less students are going to come here. Well, how does that change our entire college? I mean, right. I look at the list and the page is getting real, real long <laughs> on all on courses. So, and because there's a pathway, because we're a pathway college, right? Uh, you know, so that means that every phase of a two-year degree, every one of those classes need to be online. Right. So how has it changed Mesa Community College? 
are there in, with enrollment down and going down and going down and going down? I'm right. assuming online is going up. It is. Right? How yeah, has percentage. that changed the dynamics of the college? That is a great question. And I swear, every time you bring this up, and I can tell you, like, you've been doing your research, too. <laughs> so, because you, you come from a place of just, really, what does this mean? Not like, oh, Laura, this is stupid, right? No. So it does, it kind of makes my stomach hurt, because then I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what it means. It's kind of scary. Um, so we will always have in-person students. In fact, our in-person students are often our online students. They're, they're the same. They're the same students. So when I ask Dennis to run the report, I'm not asking Dennis. It was Dennis a long time ago. I'm asking Trisha or I'm asking, who else do they have? Al is it Allie over Tell there? Tell our listeners what department you're I know, talking about. The Office of Institutional Effectiveness. There you go. Right. So they... Um, run the exclusively online student report for me. But the thing is, is they can't just run it, you know, once every couple of years because that exclusive online student population changes every semester. And so, and, and I remember um, we had a dean in this area a while ago, Roger Yoey, and I used to just wonder, I'm like, why does that list change every semester? Like, I don't understand. It's because students might just take one or two classes, right? They might be a part-time student, and, and that semester they just happen to be all online classes. So we don't really have a population that gets exclusively online degrees. We do have some, and usually they're out of state. And so, and if you look at some of the more recent reports that, that um, the Office of Institutional Effectiveness has, has provided to us, um, students want both. And when they enroll or when they admit and enroll at the colleges, they don't select, I'm taking a completely online degree. There is a question that says, that asks them if they're going to be completing their degree path outside of the state. And I do believe there's one that says, I want to take mainly online classes. But they don't ever, like at ASU Online, like you're enrolling in an online school, right? And Rio sort of is pretty much all online. Right. So um, I guess my, my moral to this is that we have these complete online degrees. And I think what they do is we are packaging them for people like myself who, you know, not people like myself, I guess in my age group who are like recareering. Or, you know, didn't get a degree yet and they are parents and they are busy and they have full-time jobs and they want to be able to take all of their courses online if they want to. But the coolest thing is, is they can still come on campus. They can still take an in-person class and we know that they do. So really the point of the page with the online degrees and certificates is saying, oh yeah, you can do this completely online. Like we don't want to get in your way. But you, you're also welcome here on campus. So I think, you know, I think if people can look at it in that way is that we're really just trying to give them a, a product that they're not scared to invest in, right? Because they're like, okay, it doesn't matter if I have to move out of state, I can still complete this degree. And I actually just had this conversation with our academic leadership um, group, mainly mainly the academic deans. And I just said, you know, you've ha you have some online programs now that you never had, 
<laughs> some of them, you know, students were able to complete almost completely online in that those 18 months. Um, are you going to stick with those? Or are you going, you know, are some of those classes just definitely going back in person? Um, and so it's a conversation that I want to strategically have with them because, again, to me, it's about the fact that our students do move to and from not only Mesa, but Arizona. Some of them are moving out of state, military, whatever it is, COVID-related. They've moved and they want to finish their degree. And it's not enough to say, oh, just go uh, register at your local community college that you just moved to. Because the thing is, is, we know it's not that easy because you have to make sure all of your courses articulate. Um, let's say you're trying to get a music business degree. Does that school even have the music business program? Well, don't worry, because you can see it's on the list. So we do have a completely online, you know, music business program. So I think it, it's really to acknowledge that people have crazy lives. And like you said, it, it, it's the access. And I think the, the promise that we're not fulfilling is, okay, it's, it's access and Z degree definitely helps with that. But what about success? You know, and when we look at our populations that are not being successful at the college in general, they're even being less successful in the online environment. So here we are having access, but we're not helping them finish. And so that's, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night. Um, it's why I'm so committed to the Z degree program, because I do know that that impacts um, our most disenfranchised students, the ones that were failing the most. So that's why I kind of put my, my efforts to that. I would encourage uh, our listeners, our students, our faculty, our community leaders who hopefully, you know, are tuning in that the exceptional work that Laura and her department have done with these pathway courses, because I think it's uh, for all the points that you just made and beyond. I mean, this is what people want information, you know, like when I started, I remember one of the very first lessons I learned in a bachelor's degree because we had an American Indian center, mm -hmm. Cal state Chico. And, uh, all of the staff that helped us back then, you would literally get a piece of paper mm -hmm. with the, your courses written down. And then you would go and have an advisor or a, a faculty member sign that. Mm -hmm. What was that called? What did we used to call it? I mean, we still have them, I think, but they're electronic now, but they're, they're your pathway really. Right. Uh, but they're like, okay, this is our contract now. Right. Because what would happen is then when you get into graduate school, you know, they, if you're there for a number of years, things change and people say, oh, no, you have to take this class now. And, and I, no, 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 no. I have an agreement here. Right. And I think that is so critical for students to know exactly, okay, this is where I start and this is where I finish. Not just sort of showing up and start down a path. Uh, I think it's an articulation, I guess, agreement. Right. Program of study. That's what it right. is. Right. Okay. A pro yes. A, a program <laughs> I was going to say check sheet, but I'm yeah, like, no, check program. sheet. It was yeah. a check sheet program of study. But it used to be that's what it was. You meet right. with an advisor who may, it may or may not align up with the disciplines. Right. And so the fact that you have taken the time to be very thorough with these degrees, like here's where you start, here's where you finish. And we're telling you, if you do this, we can get it done in 18 months. That is very, very appealing 
right you know to anybody but i do have you know i've when i was doing the doctorate work up there we had a lot of uh, administrators around and you know they were like look if you have a master's degree or a particular degree in like six months, you know, do you, I mean, do you, do you, or like how culturally speaking, you know, that kind of rapid fire learning, like how much do you really learn? I think those things are on the table now, mm -hmm. you know, like to what, how much depth do you really need in literature? Right. Like, like if you have these a cultural studies requirement or something like, how deep into those disciplines do you need to be if you want to be a, a a welder or a project manager? Right? right. Like, where where is the concentration? Right. And I think that's what online does. I think it forces us to really uh, rank the where the the real concentration should be. Mm -hmm. We want well-rounded students always. That's what business leaders tell me they want. Yeah. Critical thinkers, pe people who are sensitive to culture and diversity. That's that's what our postmodern right. business leaders want. That's what they want, yeah. But how much time do you have to spend, you know, in those areas when you're really wanting to just do this part? Right. And I think for our listeners, if you go on to the online degree and certificates webpage on uh, MCC online, you'll see the work that Laura and her staff have done. And I have to say, uh, I don't know if we're still giving people awards instead of raises, but you need both. You need an award <laughs> and a raise. This is an exceptional work that you're doing here and you're doing it for, you know, the, the students. And Absolutely. And well, my amazing. team, it's my team, right? Not just me. So yeah. there's, there's three of us that, definitely put our heart and soul in it and and again it is it's for for us it's for the students it's it's for equity it's trying to flip education on its head yeah. and kind of get past i guess the the old way of of why we're doing this because right now it's like we have people that were failing and i think online education kind of creates that promise of let's Let's look at this differently, but we're still wound into a traditional organization. So I think that's something that that my department does struggle with. Like, how do we maintain ourselves in a traditional environment, but make people think differently? Like, why do we do that? You know, is that is that facilitating the success of certain students over others? You know, and I think technology opens up those conversations a little bit more than if I were to yeah. wiggle my way into somebody's regular classroom. So. Well, I mean, I mean, that's again the beauty of Maricopa as a whole. We have these 10 different colleges that can right. express themselves. Right. Right. I mean, we shouldn't be trying to change a traditional college into an online college when we have an online college, you know, we have an online college. I mean, and so sort of. Well, is, Rio's an online college, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they have some in-person stuff. A Do lot of really? it is in the CTE area. Oh. Yeah. But I think also they're, the way that they define online is different than the way that we define it. Yeah. So I always, I, and that's why I always think we're just very different than Rio, but we can still, we can still occupy some of the same spaces. Yeah. You know. 
Well, I mean, again, I think that the exceptional part of your work is that you're really doing kind of what we've been trying to do, and that is to modernize curriculum. Right. So again, it's not that you're changing the content of curriculum. Mm-hmm. You're just making that content more accessible, mm-hmm. right? Well, looking at it. More efficient for, right. the, for the student. Right. And that's, it's almost yeah. sad that that's what we, you know, like we should be doing this, right? Right. Well, and I think that, I think online education kind of promotes the continuous improvement, right? Yeah. And we've done that with Z Degree and Z courses. And, you know, we're willing to help anybody with online courses where we fund them for the first build. And then there's an expectation in 18 to 24 months, we revise the course. Yes. And we, and we pay for that. That's oh, not wow. a, that's not a, an expectation that you go do that on your own. We pay for that process for the faculty member to come back and say, you know what, this module just is not working right. We're just not getting, you know, where we need to be for this. Hmm. Um, and so then we just, we go back and rebuild it and, you know, look at the data. And I mean, it, it's a partnership between e-learning CTL and the faculty and, you know, if you talk to the communication professors, and actually we probably should, we should schedule our Z degree comm faculty to come in here and talk about just the process that they went through. We put public speaking online for the first time the semester before COVID. Like how lucky were we to have that, you know, for because the, they didn't want to do it. It was like, oh, we can't teach public speaking online. That's, you know, some of them wanted to do it. Others were kind of like, eh. But then we were forced to do it. But luckily, they had a Z degree course already built, you know, for for public speaking Um, and the lessons learned, the eye opening, just it's incredible Yeah, because public speaking happens online. A lot for most well, uh, for many it does. It does, it does. <laughs> google meet zoom all this stuff my, my friend is a high level executive vp at boeing and she does not go into the office all of her presentations all of her public speaking happen online so i'm like are we really teaching them the, all the skills that they need to have like if anything we should be making sure we infuse online public speaking in the in person class right Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, again, that's what yeah, we try to do here <laughs> is try to, per, you know, help students produce yes. online content, content for being online. Key, and when you say that's funny, because Keegan used to do a whole bunch of students. He'd set up a mm-hmm. studio and a podium mm-hmm. and was all communicate. Was it, wasn't it mostly communication uh, students? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. <clears throat> <laughs> I've been I haven't been speaking for the last 50 minutes. <laughs> He's not warmed up. Yeah, mostly uh, communication students. They would come up and stand behind a podium and and act as if they were giving a whole presentation to a room that isn't there. Right. I mean it's weird. Yeah. But some but it's like a skill you need to have. That's, that's I mean, I just presented exactly online in a right. in a meeting before this and it was like it's still so awkward to me, but Yeah. It's the world we live in. We got to prepare them that's for right. kids. It's it's no, it's nothing. They're used to it. Yeah, that's their world. Yeah, that was always our thing. Like mm-hmm. you know, because we we teach them how to do how to present that kind of con- multimedia presentation. So yes. where they, they could do it from their house or here, it anywhere doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's the idea that they know. And that was the other thing. We trained over seventy-seven uh, faculty here on campus yes. how to do new media lab work. And, you know, it just was always coming back. Look, just ask one of your students. 
<laughs> if you get you. stuck, because they know. I mean, I know it sounds new to you as a you know a senior faculty member, but it's not. They don't know it, any other way an but that way. Old kid doesn't know anything about Huckleberry Finn. They don't. You hand them a iPhone or a computer or something, and they'll just impress the heck out yeah. of you. Yeah, it's really about creating that space, right? So we like to give our uh, guests the last word. So tell us something exciting about MCC online that we don't already know. Oh, my goodness. Um, probably the biggest one I didn't mention, and, um, and we posted about it on the internet when we received our approval, but we are um, a part of a council, the National Council for State Authorization Reciprocity Agreements. <laughs> um, we call it NC Sarah or for short, just Sarah. And that council provides us with the opportunity to provide learning in any state um, across the U.S. and the U.S. territories. And um, when I say that, our student affairs people immediately, you know, perk up and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you. And then everybody else is like, what? What does that even mean? And why do we care? So the reason is, is that it's... Um, our students, prior to being approved for that, to be a part of that council in uh, January 2021, um, would get, if they enrolled at MCC prior to moving to Arizona, they would get a block on their account saying, you live in a state that is not approved to, to uh, receive learning from Mesa Community College. Um, and so what that does, and, and we have a relatively small out-of-state population, but we do have students that, like I say, kind of are in transition between moving here, moving out of here for whatever reason, but it allows them to move to any state and never have to worry about whether they can, you know, finish their classes, their last semester or start their first semester. It, it happens a lot. And so now we don't have to worry about that block on their account. But it also just opens up our programming. You know, what if a student says, I'm going to move to Arizona any year, but I want to get started now. They can take all of those classes from whatever state that they live in. Do they pay out-of-state tuition? They do. And the really neat thing about that, so they do pay at a higher tuition rate. Our out-of-state tuition rate is not as bad as some of the other um, schools. And obviously, we're still a community college, so it's much lower than an out-of-state university rate believe it's 127 right now um, per credit hour. But that comes, so those students come to us, they, they aren't um, registered as, as FTSE for the school, but we get the revenue that they generate. And so my department then puts that revenue back into the school by way of funding Z degree development, um, funding faculty projects, we support the CTL and a lot of their professional development and paying faculty. We purchase instructional technologies like Cranium Cafe, Soft Chalk, uh, Dropout Detective. What else do we have? Uh, Pressbooks, which is our online open textbook format. Um, so we put, it, put that money all, all back into the college, and it generates quite a bit of revenue for the college for us to, again, you know, put back to the college. And it funds my department salaries. Um, we're all specially funded, could be, you know, fired at any time. That's always fun. But I've been here for eight years, right. so I feel like I'm doing an okay job and maybe yeah. they'll keep me. <laughs> well, your area, 
your area is growing just leaps and bounds. Yeah. Well, and with this, yeah. the approval to be a part of the Sarah organization, it's only going to continue to um, allow students to realize they can, they can attend here. There are, yeah. there is no barrier. So hopefully just get the success rates up. <laughs> yeah. So pick Mary, uh, Mesa Community College for your online instruction. And Absolutely. Please look into the Z degrees pathways that they have uh, articulated are absolutely exceptional work. Uh, take a look at it, duplicate it across as much as you can. Uh, I really see, you know, as we sit and visit, I've always, I've never liked this silo stuff, you know. I I think, again, I think we've knocked down a lot of those, but I see a lot of partnership uh, with Z Degree for us to actually teach students how to do present media presentations that should actually maybe we should think about a class linked in there like yes. if you need help like keegan what kind of hot new presentation software is out there like keegan does a lot of animation a lot of oh, blender cool. a lot of after effects i mean the traditional stuff is sort of keynote powerpoint mm -hmm. spark what is there anything new happening on that front what was the one you mentioned? Riverfront? Oh. R Riverside? Yeah. What was that? that? that yeah, Riverview. I think it's Riverview. Yeah. It's animation? Yeah. No, that's oh. for a professional podcast recording and editing. And it's free, I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, built for remote podcasting. Right. Oh, where you're not all in the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because what, what you do when you do the podcast, whether it's Skype or a Google Meet or Zoom, right. whatever, you record it. Some of those features have a record button inside the software. Uh -huh. And this one is specifically to produce MP4s mm -hmm. and stuff so that you can export them in a format that you can then put inside of editing software and oh, cool. use color correction and all the cool stuff to really make it look look good yeah look good make us all look like supermodels yeah so it's can not you put all, that on this one all grainy <laughs> on your voice we gotta yes. look who do you want to sound like oh my gosh yeah. i don't even know <laughs> not like myself right because yeah. that's like oh do i sound like that well, yeah i know that took me a long time to get, <laughs> see i love your voice get used it's so to cool my, I sound like my grandpa <laughs> So uh, we want to really thank you. I know I offered up a couple of questions that people had on their minds. I think you did an exactly, uh, I mean, an exceptional job. I look forward to your success and collaboration. I think what you're doing is amazing. We like to say here, want to tell everybody in my dad's language, they say, and uh, We'll see you all again, and remember, take care of each other out there. We're all we have. Royalty-free audio, Grinnell Line Dreams by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEOAA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. 
All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. The Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non-discrimination.